This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is Our Auto Expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Sports Car Jeff, because Truck Girl (laughs) Jen has taken a break. She's uh, on vacation in Las Vegas, probably lost all my money. Well, I didn't give her that much, but, you know, she's probably <laughs> lost all her money. Uh, hi, Jeff. It's nice to see you. Good morning, Nick. Uh, we have not seen each other since you did your trip to the north on the Alcan Rally. Yeah, yeah. It was last winter. Uh, we had just gotten back from, from driving to Tuktiaktuk, Northwest Territories, and back uh, in the middle of winter. It was 40 below up there. It was really cold. And uh, we were in here in this same studio and have not seen you since because right. that was right before everything shut down. Since then, we have new radio stations. We have 20 radio stations around the country. We have a new radio station in Seattle, which is pretty awesome. Um, you know, got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, look, what's on the show today, I know you ask. Well, Jeff <laughs> here. Jeff's here. We're going to talk about some of the cars he and I have both driven and are driving this week. We're also going to talk to uh, Megan Quinn from Cadillac about a car Jeff drove in today, the CT4. She's also going to talk to us about the CT5. Uh, Yovina Young is going to talk to us about the Ford Bronco Sport. I can't tell you what I did with it, but I can tell you I did something with it because it's all embargoed until December 17th. (gasps) Such a long way away. John Quinn joining us to talk about the BMW 4 Series and the M4 Special Edition. Uh, Ishan uh, from Mini is going to talk to us about a vehicle they have just announced called the 1499 GT. Anton Warman and Mike Cordell on the show as well today. Uh, So, Jeff, let's talk about something that you have been driving recently. And I have to tell you from my perspective, bit of a mouth dropper. The brand new Nissan Rogue. The Nissan Rogue is is really, um, you know, it's it's the greatest small SUV that that most people maybe have not considered. You know, the the heavy hitters in in the market are Rav4 and CRV from Toyota and Honda, respectively. But man, you you've got to get out and try this Rogue. They have completely redesigned it for 2021. Um, it is phenomenal. The tech in there is not what you're expecting in a in an economy uh, crossover SUV like this. Uh, you're you're getting all of their uh, the Nissan uh, intelligent um, technology, technology yeah, stuff, the electronic the safety Pilot, systems, yeah, Pro Pilot Assist really works, and uh, and it's available you know at a bargain price. So uh, I feel like glancing at it, sitting in it. 
feeling my way around it, that it, it almost plays in a class above the RAV4 and the CRV. It feels like it's bigger. It feels like it has more to offer than those uh, those two brands. It, it feels like it has more features than those. And of course, they always send us the top of the line, sure. every bell, every whistle, everything that the car comes with. Because I always tell them, if you don't send me a vehicle with everything on it, I can't talk about it. I can't tell people how it of works course, and yeah. how I experience it. But I also feel that it it's actually, it feels bigger. It feels bigger than those vehicles. It feels like it has more space. It does. And um, I think, I'd have to look it up, but I think th- I think it's actually slightly smaller than the outgoing um, in a couple of dimensions. But, um, you know, you get inside, the redesign is really the news. Um, it, it looks a little more moxie, aggressive, uh, yeah. has a great stance now. Uh, changed the bodywork a bit, gave it a little more... Uh, muscle in the fenders, if you will. Um, the interior is comfortable. It's a wonderful design. And they also updated the engine. It's 2.5 liter, four-cylinder, naturally aspirated engine. And it went from 170 horsepower to 181. Which is nice. And 181 pound-feet of torque. Um, yeah. And and so um, it comes with, uh, comes with a um, continuously variable transmission, whether you get the... Um, the the all-wheel drive which we like here in the northwest or the front-wheel drive version um but uh but you wouldn't know it you, ne- you would nissan, think it was an automatic ne- if nissan i, I think had one of the first cvt uh transmissions in the murano I, I just remember driving that and i was it felt like a hairdryer was on under the seat the whole time i was driving it <laughs> i used to call it the rubber band drive yeah you know, it, when we had the when they were the first ones were out but they've they've really worked on them Right. And now they, they step through like an automatic. Um, if I didn't tell you it was a CVT, you'd never guess it. Right. That's what That was going to be my point is that they were so bad at the beginning. And they were so different from what we were used to. And now it's pretty hard to tell. It's yeah. pretty hard to tell that this is not uh, just an automatic transmission that changes gear. It, they've got it pretty similar to uh, to an automatic transmission, and the best thing about it is it's so, it does so much better on fuel economy than an automatic transmission. It does because uh, again, it's continuously variable transmission. Well, it can always be in the sweet spot, and yes. that's that's the nice thing about them. We like um, it when they're in the sweet spot. The other thing I would say about the design on the exterior of this vehicle is the fact that. Uh, so many vehicles in this class look like a wet fish. They have this sort of <laughs> bulbous, yes. you know, almost like a haddock where the eyes are misplaced. You know, the lights are... They just don't have any defining shape or sort of masculinity. And they just they just look like some kind of blowfish or something. And this actually has shape and definition and style and design. It does. It does. The stance is is uh, is fantastic. It, this is a, this is one of those ones that passes the look back test. You know, when you walk away from your car, <laughs> okay. you want to look back and just check it out a little bit. That's the, the the new Rogue is like that. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Even at the back end of the vehicle, by the way, um, yeah. you know, the, the front is is surprising and nice. It's interesting. I'm, I I remember seeing this probably first with a. Hyundai Palisade, mm-hmm. which is their their midsize SUV, and they call the front of that. They say it has the crocodile eyes, where it sort of has this sort of eyebrow, which is actually the headlight, and then the uh, the below it the fog light or the LED. This has a similar setup, mm-hmm. where it has this sort of thin light at the top, which is the DLR, 
um, and then it has this bigger light at the bottom. So it sort of has two lights, like an eyebrow and a light. Yes. And it depends what the brand is. Sometimes the headlight is at the top and the DLR is at the bottom, and sometimes it's switched. But it has it's more like a face, and mm-hmm. especially than the Rogue because it has this V-shaped grill, which is almost like the the sort of the bottom lip, and then there's this big grill that looks like the teeth. Of course, grill teeth. Mm-hmm. They're all, it's all embedded slang. And uh, it looks more like a face than anything I've seen probably in the past. It does. And, that, and you know, it's, it's funny how important that is for cars. And I think this is just a, a, it's a human psychology thing. We want our cars to have a face that we recognize. And, uh, and cars that, that have been designed all, you know, by adventuresome designers who want to get away from that always end up never, they don't ever look right. It has, I'm just reading here, the cargo space is 36.5 cubic feet of maximum cargo space. And not too bad, 35 miles a gallon on the highway, which is, yeah. we were just discussing a new car coming out we'll talk about later in the mm-hmm. show that only gets 30 and is about half the size of this. <laughs> right, It's not right. bad. And, you know, um, it, it is important to remember that, you know, for all we like to talk about stance and look and everything else, the Rogue is a family vehicle. Right. Right. And and so people want that cargo capacity and they want the uh, the safety features that Nissan has has packed into it. Um, And that's one of the really, I think, impressive selling points of this. If you go and you're looking for a vehicle where you're going to haul your kids around. Yeah. And you're going to drive yourself to work every day, uh, maybe on the freeway. You uh, you're you're really going to want the um, the the pro pilot assist, the navigation link. And this is interesting. They've they've connected the adaptive cruise control to the navigation so that when it knows that you're coming up on your freeway exit it automatically slows down okay as you approach that exit so, all right so you don't have to hit the brakes and come out of cruise control to do that I, I i like that idea i should also translate for a lot of people because we we like transparency on this show of course there's luxury vehicles Mm-hmm. The non-luxury vehicles are called family vehicles because non-luxury sounds like, you know, it's because you can't afford luxury, I guess. I don't but think we, economy car is a dirty word, and it shouldn't be. Yes, you know? but but if you're, you don't want to be, I think economy car means you can't afford a luxury car, and people don't want to be seen as not being able to afford a luxury car. True. So they call it family, which is a little more wholesome, I think, mm-hmm. so family. But ultimately, that gap between the two, and probably thanks to Mazda and the CX-9, which was the first vehicle to make a big leap, a crossover, as Mm -hmm. you were, between the two categories, a lot of times the top end, and especially with the Rogue, that's exactly a car that's done it, has taken that very top, the Platinum level, I think, is the top now in the Rogue. It bridges very close to what Infinity does, which is their their luxury version of Nissan. They they get very close. The lines get murky. Which is a luxury? What features define it as a luxury? What don't? It gets a little muddy there. Well, we've been democratizing luxury features. I mean, time was I can remember when you know air conditioning and power seats were defined a luxury car. And, and right. now, you know, you can you can get all of the great luxury features, you know, features that were limited to your Range Rovers and Mercedes Benz and and top end vehicles like that. Uh, Ten years ago, you, you can get in a Rogue now at an affordable price. So it is affordable luxury in, in this car. And I think if you're if you're looking for uh, a compact crossover this year, you really owe it to yourself to go and check out that rogue give it a test drive try out all these tech features 
they're just amazing. 2002, uh, Mercedes delivered an S-Class for my birthday to me, which I drove. Mm -hmm. And the big feature in the S-Class, the big feature was a credit card that went in your wallet that when you walked up to the car and locked the doors. This was oh, yeah. the big feature in 2002. And look, you now have that in almost every modern car. Sure. It's a key fob, but that's yeah. the feature that in 2002 was record-breaking. So what starts at the top slides down everywhere. We're going to talk about another vehicle that Jeff has been driving, the CT4. Megan Quinn joining us from Cadillac as our auto expert continues. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show. Our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see the automotive videos, and read inside a car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Uh, sports car Jeff sitting in for Jen, truck girl Jen, who is out this week. Now, we were talking about some of the coolest vehicles that we have been driving. I have driven both the Cadillac CT4 and the CT5. Jeff swaggers into the parking lot today in the new CT4, and he's got a big grin on his face. In fact, he took a long time to get up here because he was reversing and moving it around the parking lot and taking pictures of it against the tree line here. You certainly got to about three or 400 pictures while you were standing out there, didn't you? Well, I did. It, it was a nice background, so I uh, figured I'd, I'd take advantage of the location. Uh, Megan Quinn joining us on the phone. She is Cadillac's marketing manager. So Jeff was telling me in the break, uh, Megan, that this uh, the CT4 is the vehicle that you've been trying to make for an awful long time for Ca with Cadillac. That's correct. And I actually, um, just to set the stage where I'm at right now, I'm sitting in my CT4, which is a 21 <laughs> model year premium lux. Um, just wanted to be authentic to the interview. I'm sitting in the Home Depot parking lot, which I live in currently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the middle of moving, so I spend a lot of time at Home Depot. But I'm sitting in the parking lot, and people um, just keep looking at my car. So um, it's, it's a little distracting to be driving a car that looks so good because everyone wants to talk about it all the time. So let's start off with a provocative question, uh, Megan. Why, when the segment of sedans is shrinking so rapidly in the United States, did Cadillac think it was a good idea now to launch the CT4 and the CT5? Um, it's a great question and a question that I have to answer quite often. Um, clearly, uh, sedans are in Cadillac's DNA and, um, it, the, the challenge is that because we have such a long history with sedans, the perception is that my grandpa had a sedan or somebody um, that I, I knew 20 years ago had a Cadillac sedan. So my challenge was really challenging that perception because we believed there was an opportunity in the sedan market. The rest of our organization um, walked away from sedans, which opened an opportunity for us. And we primarily compete with the Europeans and um, we believe that this was a, a good time for a, a really fun-to-drive um, performance sedan, and I think we've, we've proven our business case there. The size of these vehicles is interesting because they sort of play in a bit of a gray area. They're not quite the same size as what the Europeans have, uh, slightly different size. Do you think uh, that you've made a better product than, uh, than BMW, Audi, and Mercedes? you think you've got a product that will attract buyers? 
Um, it, it seems to be um, that that's the case. I, I think the size of, um, of the segment, the Lux 2 and the Lux 3 segment that we compete in, is um, we're, we're definitely competitive. The most common question I get when I'm driving my CT4, and it's just based on the locations that I frequent most often right now, like Home Depot and um, golf courses, and um, the, the most common question I get is, will my golf clubs fit in the back? So now I, I just drive around with my golf clubs in the trunk just to be able to illustrate. So I think the perception of, of CT4 initially was that it was very compact and too small, and I think we've been able to um, highlight that it's, it's just the right size for a really nimble um, lightweight performance sedan you know i i tend to agree with that um you know my my daily is a is a mercedes c-class and driving over here this morning in in the ct4 um obviously I, naturally i was making that that comparison and and i think it compares very well um in terms of performance in terms of of uh the size and comfort that that uh it it delivers to the driver uh I, later today i'm going to be driving from from the portland area out to the uh, coast for the weekend and i'm looking forward to that run through the mountains in this uh in this ct4 because the performance is there that i that i really want in in a luxury car and i think that's that's a, a critical um thing now that you, you've got to have that performance or else uh, you're kind of nowhere in the luxury market and and mm -hmm. this one is uh, I've got the premium luxury with the 2.7 liter uh, 309 yep. horsepower in it and 348 pound feet and let me tell you it uh, it really flies yeah yeah and, and that's another um, reason for the initial question around why sedans for Cadillac is I, I always tell people you can get to a destination in, in a variety of different ways. Um, obviously, you can get there in an SUV, you can get there on a bicycle or a motorcycle, but I, there's just something about driving a sedan that just makes it so fun to drive, and a lot of what you, the comparison you just gave me really validates that is, um, you know, you're getting to your destination in a really fun way where that torque kicks in, and I, I, I notice that when I'm driving just the style of my driving I think is fairly aggressive. Um, I live in Michigan and Michigan drivers it's a huge commuter state and just the, the power that I, um, I feel when I'm driving to be able to confidently pass somebody quickly or um, just get up to speed. So I think we, we have the really right combination of horsepower and torque for this car that really enables a, a really fun to drive but also makes you confident when you're driving. Now I have a story that drops tomorrow morning on a lot of Fox TV stations around the country because I think, and I've made this uh, this point across the country many times, that between now and the end of the year, there's going to be a reckoning with automotive companies. They're going to do a tally, and they're going to decide, you know, they want to obviously make up some of the losses in the last six months and, uh, and really try and sell as many cars before uh, the tallies are made on the 31st of uh, December. And I did a little survey with the CT4, and I have found some incredible prices with these vehicles. Although officially they start in the low 30s, around $33,000, $34,000, I found uh, yep. dealers offering deals, incredible deals, of around $28,000 starting price with these. So the price is actually incredible. Yeah, it is very competitive. Um, something else that's really competitive in this market is our all-wheel drive option. And I, I mentioned I live in Michigan. Today is 
very much an anomaly. It's 71 degrees um, in November. Um, but normally, this time of year, an all-wheel drive option would be very desirable. Um, so it's a, it's a rear-wheel drive architecture, which gives it a lot of the things we've right. already talked about. But having the all-wheel drive right. option um, really sets us apart and, and provides that additional peace of mind. And like you just said, for the price point, um, part of that is, is 20 model year sell down as we get into to 21 right. model right. years. Right. Thank you, Megan. Uh, if you want to try one, head to your dealer. You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, our auto expert radio show. Play all previous episodes, and you'll get them. Our auto expert has hours of endless fun of the radio show. It's also where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. Our auto expert and ourautoexpert.com. Well, I can't really tell you much about my recent experiences with the uh, Ford Bronco and the Ford Bronco Sport. I can tell you that I was in Hollyoaks, Michigan for the launch of the vehicle and uh, was in love pretty much from day one that I got to touch it, smell it, feel it. Um, There are so many things I could tell you about the vehicles. I got a little experience with the Bronco Sport recently and I uh, asked uh, Jovina if she would come on to the show. Jovina Young is one of the marketing uh, managers for uh, Bronco and the marketing manager for Bronco Sport if she'd come on and talk a little bit about the vehicle because I'm so impressed with the new Bronco Sport and I think somehow it's kind of like the younger brother that gets left out a lot. People talk a lot about the Bronco and the two-door and the four-door but they seem to forget to talk about the Bronco Sport and actually I think the Bronco Sport is going to be the car which is attainable by many more people and is probably the more practical for a lot of people. Well, you know, we haven't seen it yet. I mean, we've we've heard about it. We've seen well, you some saw, pictures. I mean, it was, and, yeah, we saw yeah. It, it was at the launch, and I think yeah. they, it's been touring around a few places. And you'll see it at auto shows if there are any before <laughs> the end of the year. But uh, it, it, it's an amazing, amazing vehicle. So, welcome to the show, uh, Jovina. Um, the Bronco Sport is uh, is quite a project, and uh, you actually uh, got to drive it in the Rebel Rally, didn't you? I did, yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, about in October, I was in the Rebel Rally, which is an all-women off-road competition and navigation competition. And I was very lucky that Ford trusted me and my partner to actually be in this vehicle um, and compete in this rally. And it was awesome. It performed great for us. You were a, you were a novice before the rally, right? I, I, yeah, definitely. Um, I had never off-roaded before joining the Bronco um, team, and most of the people on the team are very well-versed in off-roading and have done it, you know, for most of their lives or started it later in life, but um, I hadn't, and I'm an outdoorsy person, so I ski and I run and I bike, um, but uh, I had never off-roaded. So one of the things I felt was important for me is to get some serious off-road cred, and to get out there and to show people that if you've never done it before, you, there's always a time to start. And for me, starting happened to be <laughs> a competition. I, one of the reasons I absolutely fell in love with you was you told me on day one that you could stand amongst a bunch of engineers and a bunch of Ford people. You could talk the talk. 
you could walk the walk, <laughs> you could tell everybody all about off-roading and how it worked and what to do and how capable the vehicle was, but you'd never actually done it because you'd studied it, you you know, you'd you'd yeah. been there from day one, so you actually had to go out and do it. And that was that would that put a big smile on my face. And and ultimately this is the ultimate capable vehicle. Not for somebody who wants to do it 24-7, seven days a week, but for somebody who wants to go and do it on weekends, right? Yeah, I think that's what's so great about the Bronco Sport. It's, um, you know, it's a small SUV, so it's in that kind of small, compact SUV size, so it's great for your kind of daily driving needs. But if on the weekends you want to get out there and head to the trail or you know, go to that really cool, like, water's edge where you maybe are a kayaker or you simply just want to try off-roading and go to an off-road park. Um, Bronco Sport has that kind of capability. It's got, you know, you know, all of our Bronco Sport models are standard with 4 by 4 They all have the GOAT mode, and GOAT is, you know, we it, it stands for Goes Any Type of Terrain. Um, and really, it's the selectable drive modes. So you can pick a different drive mode for the different terrains that you're on. Um, and so in the Badlands series, it has a mud and ruts terrain and a rock call terrain, which we used a lot when I was in the Rebel Rally. Um, so you do have that kind of capability in the vehicle. And for a novice like me, being able to use those modes made it easier because I'm not as well versed as someone who's so experienced in knowing when to press the disc locker, knowing when to put it 4 by 4 um, instead, it was easier for me when I'm going up, you know, I'm, maybe I'm in the sand area to just simply select sand mode and the vehicle is super smart. It does it for you. So it's really great for those kind of weekend trips where you're going out there um, and trying it on your own. You know, I think that's one of the, the really important things for, for people to understand is that the Rebel Rally is not any kind of... Uh, any kind of, of soft challenge. This is one of the most uh, challenging events that that is going right now in the world, as far as uh, as off roading and getting where you're going and everything else. And and so for, you know, you you hear about these you know tremendously experienced people running things like the Baja 1000, and the Rebel Rally is every bit as challenging. And and they're sending out folks who can who are who are novices comparatively in this and and these vehicles that they're sending you in like the bronco sport are good enough that they will get you where you're going yeah for sure um the rebel rally is definitely not a walk walk in the park um you know you certainly are hitting many different types of terrains i think we encountered you know certainly like dirt roads we hit rock areas we, we were in sand. We, we started in South Lake Tahoe um, and then drove all the way from there all the way to um, Glamis, um, almost to the border of Mexico. Oh. And that was over the course of 10 days and many different types of elevation throughout the whole thing. And we camped out every night um, and we had no GPS, right? So we had to disable right. the GPS in the vehicle and the, it's um, a competition for navigation precision as well. So we map everything um, and try to figure out where we're going. But the nice thing is, while I'm learning how to do all the navigation as well, I'm learning how to off-road, um, the nice thing is to have a vehicle like the Bronco Sport kind of be my trusty sidekick almost, or like my partner in the game, where I, I never really had to worry about the vehicle doing the things I'm asking it to do, because I just knew it could. And I've seen the engineers do the testing. I, you know, as I mentioned, I could walk the, I could talk the talk at the time because I knew they did all of that. 
Um, and so I had every faith that it was going to get me up this hill in Johnson Valley, but I knew that my checkpoint was at, and it certainly did. So it was really awesome. Well, Jovina, I'll tell you, I, I, I would love to have you on my next uh, Alcan Winter Rally team if, if we're going back <laughs> to the Arctic. <laughs> there you go. There, there's an offer you probably don't want to refuse. Just make sure you have your uh, your mom jacket with you. Yes, get, you your, need get your willies. Sure. Get your willies together. I, Lots of props for the Marmot gear. I'll just throw a little shout out to them. Um, Marmot definitely gave us the gear and we, you know, tents and our sleeping bags overnight was rated for nine degrees Fahrenheit, which I needed. (laughs) So it was great. It was great. Now, the, here's some good things about uh, the Bronco. There's many good things, but, but first of all, uh, the Bronco sport, it's, it's coming before the end of the year, right? Yes. So I'm super excited for this, but um, it is coming before the end of the year. So um, I would just um, suspect sometime in December, you'll start, probably start seeing them showing up at the dealership. Um, I'm under embargo. I can't talk about things that I know until the 17th of December. Um, so mm-hmm. so uh, there, I have plenty to say. I have plenty to say. I'm <laughs> bursting, but I can't <laughs> say anything. Uh, but the, the cool thing is it starts from the sort of upper $20,000 range and goes up to just below forty. if you check it. I know this. Joe Navina knows I know mm-hmm. this because I've checked every box and I've okay. sent it to her <laughs> yeah. and said, this is what I want. Yeah. Um, uh, so about... Too, right. <laughs> about 26 ish up to about just below 40 is that the price range we're talking about yeah yeah if you go all the way up to the first edition um you know just below 40 would be your high end there and uh, and how many different modes do we have or how many different trim levels uh, trim levels um so we have standard we have four we have base um big bend is kind of like your mid-series and then you have outer banks which is more of your it starts to get you more like a limited area. It's got some really cool stylistic features on it. Uh, and then you have Badlands, which is what I consider the kind of the pinnacle for us from an off-road perspective. And then you've got First Edition. Um, I will tell but you. But basically be, the four. Yeah, between Outer Banks and Badlands, there's only $500 in it. So so you might want to go for Badlands. I'm looking at the Badlands now, and yeah. this is this is really the, the thing that you want here. I mean, you've got your skid plates. You've got your specialty off-road suspension. Uh, the front 180-degree camera. Yep. Can, if you've never experienced having a front camera like that in off-roading, it's a game changer. Yes. You can see exactly yeah. like, where I'd like to say it everything. is, but I can't tell you. Well, see, I haven't <laughs> driven the uh, Bronco Sport, so I, I can I, say... I can't tell you whether I have or I haven't, Jeff. I'm sorry. Uh, what color would you choose, Jeff? I, I'm having a hard time. I mean, I, I would choose the yellow, but I'm having a hard time between the yellow and the uh, Area 51, which is the lighter blue. The red's really nice. I mean, seriously, Ford outdid themselves on these colors. I'm, I'm all about the Tonka truck yellow because... Tonka truck yellow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's a want, copyright on that. Well, maybe there is. What's the yellow name? I'm, what's it called, Jovina? It's actually called Cyber Orange. Cyber Orange. Cyber Orange. Well, whatever. Yeah. But it, it, a vehicle like this needs to be a little in your face. I mean, you're not buying this to uh, to blend in. Cy- Cyber Orange is what uh, what I'm trying to order. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see if I can get one of those. We're I'm trying. Yeah. I'm, it's a great color. I'm really into this. I can't tell you I haven't been into a car this much since I was into the marquee, and I ordered two of those. So we'll just see how this goes. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm weak. I just have to tell you, Jomina, you made me weak. Like, I, can you just quit? Because 
I, I can't control it's it's like honestly I feel like uh, I'm coming out uh, I'm feel like I'm Peter from you know it was like oh something shiny oh something shiny oh something shiny I want one of these I want one of these the uh, the Bronco Sport going on sale uh, just sometime around uh, the holiday season this year uh, they'll be pouring into dealerships then we hope if you haven't ordered one you should go on to Ford's website online you can you can order one right there you can also order the two door or the four door as well Jovina it's been an absolute honor to have you on the show talking about the brand new Bronco Sport from Ford more to come stand by you're listening to our auto expert well truck girl jennifer got a bit of a makeover this week uh, this is our auto expert you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram you can start a conversation with us just ask us a car question direct messages on any of the social media platforms this is where two million americans get their automotive news daily so we talked a little bit about the fact that jeff's been driving the rogue uh, we've also been uh, talking about the fact that he's been driving the ct4 i'm sure you'll have the ct5 in a short amount of time let's can, hope so you can tell us about those experiences we can ask you to come back on and talk about those Let's talk a little bit about the F-Series from Ford because F-Series from Ford has been an absolute out-of-the-park hit for them. I'm driving the F-250 right now, the Super Duty. But as a whole, this brand has been the number one Best-selling vehicle in America for 48 years, years. 38, 40 years, something like that. Best-selling truck for around 42, something like that. Uh, Why has Ford dominated the landscape with the F-Series? They make a great vehicle. I mean the 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 F series truck whether you're whether you're getting the the F150 uh or up to the you know F350 F450 uh super duties um you know it uh they work they do what what people want they're comfortable uh there's uh there's just very little reason not to love them they they have done such a good job um the price is a little steep though with trucks once you start getting into these vehicles, you start creeping up in price, and it starts to be a little troubling because I'm looking at these vehicles, going, "Wow, the you know the price starts you know, maybe sixty thousand, but by the time I've started to check, but yeah, and yes, it does have three hundred eighty-five horsepower in the six point two liter, but if you want the you know seven point three, it's four thirty horsepower, and if you want the six point seven power stroke diesel V eight, it's four seventy-five and a thousand and fifty foot-pounds of torque right, in that diesel. Right, right, right. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy, incredible amounts of performance. And the F-150 is going to come in hybrid this time around. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's some really amazing stuff, 10-speed transmission, all those type of things. But you get to $90,000 when you start decking these vehicles people out where you want, want them. People want the truck. And yeah. people, you know, the, the thing is that, that people are, are not only willing, they're eager to spend that money to get that, that really high-end truck. Uh, and uh, and it's not just Ford, right? Everybody's pricing is is commensurate uh, on these, and and uh, it does make it tough to buy a new truck. And the f- the really interesting thing, because I've been looking at and my truck's 17 years old, and uh, and and I'm looking to buy a new one here pretty soon, and and not only are the prices commensurate across the brands and everything else, um, but um, but the used truck market is really high, yeah, you, especially you, now you, and during COVID when, you know, trucks were shut down, manufacturing was shut down for yeah. three, four, five months, uh, or at least wasn't at full capacity, was shut down for several months and now not co- only just returning to full capacity, trucks are sought after because the sales haven't dropped. In fact, they're probably above what they were uh, in uh, 
they continue to be the best seller in the marketplace. Yeah. Uh, we continue to be on track for the year, so the price hasn't changed. I, I spec'd out the truck that I want that I have actually ordered already, um, and uh, and and you know there was the brand new price, and then I thought, well, you know, let's let's look at CarMax, let's look at some of these other things, and see what a comparable two or three year old used truck would would be. It's like five thousand dollars difference. Yeah, There's so little reason not, not to order it. a new truck right now, and yeah, yeah they're expensive. But I, you know, it's me, so I intend to get, uh, you know, another 17, 20 years out of this next truck I buy. I have a Lexus GX, um, which is about three, four years old, 2016, I think. Mm-hmm. has about 27,000 miles on it. And I paid $30,000 for it, got a really, really cheap price. I've been offered as much as 40 for it. Right, <laughs> because, right. Because people really want it. So I'm going to clean it up and sell it and go buy myself a Bronco Sport. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I'm going to do. Uh a great, a great piece of machinery. I want to talk about a couple of stories which are really hot. Uh, this holiday season, November 15th, you're going to see uh, Lego revealing their giant Ghostbusters uh, car set. It has 2,352 pieces for the Ghostbusters wagon. You can put this <laughs> Lego piece together. Now, you know what I thought the second that this was revealed. That's 2,352 things you can tread on in the dark if you're a parent. <laughs> yes. uh, but it's also things you've got to put together but it's a lot of fun I, I can't think of anything for parents which is more fun than to put together a Ghostbusters wagon watch the movie at Christmas this is a absolute delightful mm-hmm. Christmas present if you have kids yeah absolutely uh, but I think you know I, I, I bet you that it's uh, that it's this one of those kids Christmas presents that's really more for the parents yes I absolutely agree uh, the other thing I was looking at is uh, in this some very interesting uh, news coming out of the EPA and the EPA have just approved um, a brand new car company called Candy to bring in vehicles to the United States. Now, these are small electric vehicles. Uh, the K27 will effectively start at just under, or by $1, just under $6,000. Candy America, K-N-D-I America, announced both its models, the K27 and the K23, received the required clearance from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, via certificates to be able to uh, come into the United States. Um, would you put your family in a $6,000 electric car from China? I think it's or important India to recognize it's, I mean, it's really about a $17,500 electric car, but you're, you're, you're taking off the $7,500 federal tax credit. Right. Here in Oregon, we have a, I think, $2,500 uh, additional tax credit, state tax credit you can get off. Uh, but not every state will have that. So, so you're really kind of in the. In I'm that fudging the numbers, but I'm not sure. Ten thousand dollars for me, it's just too ugly. Uh, electric it, cars have got to look good. It's got it's to be actually something uglier that I than want. the C Max, isn't it? It is, which is saying it's, something. This is a really homely car. I it was bought say. by the. It was hit by the ugly stick. Uh, other pieces of news: the last Lincoln Continental came off the production line again for the third time. <laughs> Let's see if they uh, have a big announcement of it coming <clears throat> back in the next few years. And Volkswagen announces the uh, the Golf R, revealed as the most powerful Golf ever. Bit exciting, this. Oh, the and the you know the I drove the last Golf R and it was stunning. You know the 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 GTI and the and the R Golf are just amazing vehicles. Great performance, uh, 
315 horsepower. 315 horsepower, they are just dynamite. And they revised that number, by the way, because initially it was somewhere around 300. Mm -hmm. And they came back like three days later and said, we've made a mistake. It's 315. I think it was 303 or something. And they came back and revised the number up by uh, just over 10 horsepower. Said yeah. we've made a mistake, which is a bit troubling. They could make such a big mistake. I could understand one or two, but uh, they made a mistake. Interesting, this vehicle, uh, the, the GTR is probably the best performance car for the money, has been in North America for a long time. Mm -hmm. If you talk about things like Subaru STIs and those type of vehicles, they are great performance cars, but you do pay for them as well, don't you? You, you do, you do. And, you know, Volkswagen has been, um, I mean, the, the entire Golf line has been fantastic. You can buy the base model and you'll still get a really peppy, fun hatchback. Right. And, you know, being sports car Jeff, as you call me, you know, <laughs> I, I do love my hatchbacks. You do. All right. Still to come on the show, we got lots more uh, in your, uh, I guess, radio fun list. Uh, we're going to be talking about more sports and performance cars, especially two of them, Mini and BMW. That's on the list. Stand by. More Our Auto Expert is on the way. You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest and the southeast, this is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I am Nick Miles, <laughs> along with sports car Jeff, because truck girl Jen is taking a break this week. She's had a little too much of me and took a vacation to Vegas, where she's spending all of her well-earned money. Uh, Jeff, I noticed that uh, <clears throat> there, somebody has taken their time to take a Maserati Ghibli and make it into a $150,000 limo. What was the point of that? I guess sometimes he got too much money and yes. you just got to find something to a, do with it. A waste of $150,000? I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps not. Uh, to me, making limos out of vehicles, do people still use a lot of limos? It seems to be, it used to be the kind of cool thing to do around weddings and uh, no, now no longer. It seems like uh, a lot of people just Uber it. <laughs> yeah. Uber is you. a new I, limo. I don't know. I mean, it, I, I certainly haven't seen that many of them around, but uh, um, but the, the question about, well, why would you choose a Ghibli for that? I, I, I don't really get that. No, I mean, it's probably different. It if is you, different. You know, people used to do it that. with Chrysler 300s and Lincolns. That was the big thing to do it with, and, and doing a Ghibli is a lot more interesting. Um, well, if you want that car, it'll probably be on Bring a Trailer within a year. Right. Yes. <laughs> It probably will. I love to go on to bring a trailer and look at what I would buy and then decide I'm just, it would be just nuts to do it. You have a big fleet of um, cars that probably cost you a fortune to maintain. I always love listening to you tell me about your Model Model T, was it? Well, I had the Model T. I've, I've actually been winnowing the, the collection down a bit. Yeah. I um, sold the Model T, sold the Corvette. Settling down, aren't you? Yeah, a little bit, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, just uh, things that I haven't been driving. And in fact, I have a vehicle going up on Bring a Trailer in the next few weeks. Wh which is? The 1956 GMC pickup truck. I okay. know Jen would beat me over the head with a bat if she no, was here. No, I think I've convinced her to sell one of hers. Wow. Um, because a gentleman who helps me with my landscaping uh, asked her if she'd sell one. And she went and did a little math on it. And mm -hmm. uh, he offered, I think he's going to offer a good price. So she was pretty excited about that. Uh, so, so she might sell one of her pickup trucks. Wow! Well, that's a that's an achievement. She she says to him, "It's got a six inch lift," and he goes, "Oh, getting 
getting leaves <laughs> in the back of that might be a bit of a, a, bit of a struggle. But uh, there you go. There's Jen for you. Uh, she's a little crazy like that. Likes to put six-inch lifts on the back of her pickup trucks. <laughs> if you know Jen, she's just just short of five foot. Yes. So uh, uh, I, I always Does give her a... Does she need to use a rope ladder to get up on No, her? but I... She is. She'll be so mad with me telling you this, but she. I think her first car, her dad had to put blocks on the pedals for her. <laughs> and, and she, uh, many of the cars that we go and drive, she can't actually see over the uh, the exhaust. As the exhaust, the hood. Sorry, she yeah. can't see over the hood. <laughs> she hopefully she can see over the exhaust. She can't see over the hood, which is quite interesting. Um, next week, the I'm going to drive the Elantra N in mm-hmm. LA which is Hyundai's vehicle and while we're there they don't know I know this but they're going to unveil the new Elantra the sorry the new Hyundai Tucson oh wow okay. and uh and we're going to drive it they've tried to keep it a secret but they did something silly they did something a little silly sent you an itinerary no they didn't do that silly they sent a note to our local press association mm-hmm. saying, would you send this out as an invitation to people that it will be revealed live on this date? Oh, and yeah. they can tune I, in. And I it's the date that, that we're there. No, <laughs> so okay. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then we're there to drive two different vehicles, and they only named one of them. So I'm like, I think, I think I've can... worked it out. <laughs> yes. So um, I will be driving the new Hyundai Tucson next week. Actually, Hyundai have done a good job. If you've looked at some of their new vehicles, I mean, it started with the Palisade. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, well, it actually started with the Elantra. Um, when when they unveiled the new Elantra, uh, I think that was last year when we did the Santa Fe drive mm-hmm. in uh, Utah. They unveiled uh, the new Elantra. Mm-hmm. And I took video with my cell phone and put it straight onto YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I got 100,000 views on it immediately, which I was... You know, they called me. Hyundai called me and went, wow. I said, yeah, a lot of them are from the Middle East. So <laughs> I'd be a seller to the Middle East. The Elantra but, is a very popular car. Yeah. It's, it's a great value. It looks great. And yeah. It drives, drives great. That, uh, that's very competitive, that small segment. Um, you know, Nissan is super mm-hmm. competitive in that segment with their small cars. Uh, mm-hmm. Toyota at the same time with their small cars. It's, some, it's actually something that American car makers have just not been able to ever master. It's the small car. Or the medium mm-hmm. car, for that matter. As long as it has a V6, you know, V8 in it with uh, 6.2 liters, America's fine. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna uh, have to disagree with you on that. Except the new ones, maybe the the, the CT4 that I drove here today, the four-cylinder, which is uh, yeah, 2.7 liter. You can get it with a 2.0 or a 2.7. Um, but they, but I mean, we'd okay, but we've never mastered that class. Well, it's the, it's the the very affordable entry level car yeah. that um, that you know you can go to Nissan, Mazda, Honda, um, you know Toyota, any of those, and and get something that is really quite good these days. And Hyundai and Kia have vaulted right. up to up to uh, you know competitive or 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 better than competitive. With um, with the Japanese and some of them, they've been doing it for a long time, and they're sort yeah. of SUV ish vehicles. I mean, you talk about the Kia Soul; I oh, mean, yeah. that's dominated its class for a long time. And it, it doesn't just because you have a car in that class. I mean, the Scion XB, mm-hmm. uh, horrible failure for them. I mean, it was okay for the first few years, but or the you know, Nissan just, Cube for that. Yeah, oh, I saw one driving down the uh, the street the other day. I was sitting in a cafe having coffee or buying coffee because you can't sit inside and have coffee. And I, I watched one drive past and I was like, what were you thinking? <laughs> 
I remember. Yeah. Do you remember the launch of the Nissan Cube when they said the interior of it was designed around a hot tub? <laughs> yeah, and it looks like a hot tub. It's all everything's all smooth. The out. inside of the car was designed around a hot tub. And I, I the little the little sort of furry sole patch that oh. they put on the dash was kind God. of odd too. It's, I feel like I'm in Dumb and Dumber or something like that. One of those bad 80s movies. Well, you know, we were talking about the candy here in the last segment, right? Yeah. And and the candy has that same weird look. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it, it sells really well in Asia. Because um, you go over, you know, I don't know how extensively you've traveled in Japan or anything. But, uh, you know, Japan's full of just funky little cars like that. Yeah, it's something that would never. I mean, it's it's interesting to see that crossover between nations will happen with certain models but other models will not take i mean there is no way that you sort of the mpvs that you see in asia will ever take off in the in the not not happening down here it's it's not and you know i think what i said about the candy with electrics is you know that they they have to be attractive you know you look at something like the chevy bolt which yeah. is a nice looking little hatchback and fun to drive and 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 it's acceptable. I wouldn't call it nice. Range. It's I like, okay. I like them. It's okay. And and you look at the ID stuff that Volkswagen is coming with now with electrics. Those are yeah. hot. I mean, I'm the I'm, four is going to be amazing. I'm saving my pennies. I've got a special secret envelope full of money just to buy that ID bus when it comes out. Where that, do you live? That VW bus. <laughs> Where's this envelope? It's buried. <laughs> Well, look at the marquee, a perfect example, Ford's marquee. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is a 300-mile Mustang SUV, and honestly, you can't call that ugly. You might be able to complain it's not a Mustang, and it shouldn't have a Mustang badge, and it shouldn't have Mustang lighting, but it's not ugly. You can't call it ugly. No, it's a great-looking SUV. I, I, was, I was a, let's call me a Mustang skeptic right. uh, with the Mach-E, but, um, but that would have... Had had more to do with it being an SUV than it than it did with with it being electric. I get to drive that on December eighth. I'll let you know. A lot of people have already driven it on the East Coast because mm-hmm. they're doing waves on the East and West. I get to drive that December eighth. I will let you know how amazing it is because I think it. I, I'm expecting it to be amazing. It, it certainly was when I, I got to ride in it when they did the unveil LA in Auto Los Angeles last, last year. year yeah. yeah, this time last year, and and the riding in it, and there was a, the guy that that was driving it was a, a touring car race driver, so he you know did a great job and took us through the slalom. Uh, thing is wicked fast and and has great handling as most electrics should because you can drop all that weight down into the floor, and uh, you know it's it has every indication that it's going to be a a serious changer for Ford in the electric space. I mean, electric spaces is going to be the Hummer. There's Mm going to be all these new electric vehicles. are going to be a lot of fun. Uh, There's going to be new cars coming out between now and the end of the year that are going to be pretty amazing. We have a new Mm -hmm. BRZ. We're going to have a a new Lincoln uh, SUV. Um, There's going to be a whole lineup of cars that are set to be announced next week, the new Tucson. Uh, I think you may have already seen the new Tucson. Ford's EcoBoost is going to uh, get a new look. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, sorry, not Eco EcoBoost, Sport. EcoSport, the little one. Uh, you're going to see more SUVs and more vehicles from VW. 
I mean, there's going to be a whole bunch of vehicles in UX1 from BMW, mm-hmm. the SUV. Um, you're going to see a lot, a long list of new SUVs coming over the next. And then, of course, there's going to be BMW's electric SUV. I think, I think uh, you know, we were talking about the Cadillac uh, doubling down back on sedans, as Nissan has as well. Right. Um, and I think that that's smart because there's still that one third of the market that is sedans and passenger cars. And w- as as automakers depart that market, it leaves more market share for those that stay to to claim. And I think Cadillac is is in a good position to claim some of that. Nissan's in a good position to claim it. Whereas with SUVs, it's going to be like, well, which one do you want? There's also the news that you probably don't know. Yeah. But if my calculations are correct, and I don't know this for a fact, but if my calculations are correct. Mm-hmm. You should see January or February a new mini hardtop, and we're going to talk about that. Yeah, but that, we'll talk about a special edition. Yeah, but if my calculations are correct, we're up for a refresh to be or a new, a brand new one to be introduced in January or February this year. It should be the mark for where we're up, where it's up. Should be a new one. All right, we will talk about a new mini special edition coming. Stand by. That next on our Auto Expert. You're listening to our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about our next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You can find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Jeff, so one of the jobs that you actually have is you... Are the edit? You're the editor in chief. Editor in chief of Star Magazine. So what's the Star? The Star. Oh, the Star. The uh, Star. It is, is the is membership this... magazine of the Mercedes-Benz Club of America. Okay, good. I was going to ask if it was a something else, but no, <laughs> <laughs> some variety kind of magazine. No, I knew what it was. Uh, so, what does the Star Magazine cover? Uh, well, it it is the. Uh, the magazine for the Mercedes-Benz Club. So we cover absolutely everything that has to do with Mercedes, um, all the way back to the beginnings. And, of course, Mercedes-Benz has a, a history that goes back to the 1880s, um, you know, when Gottlieb Daimler and, and guys like that were inventing the reciprocating engine. Um, and they um, – uh, By the way, I've been to the to – the warehouses at the Mercedes Museum and I've seen these cars under sort of cloth and I sat in some of the very original cars yeah Um, and a lot of them you couldn't go near but some of them I've actually sat in uh, yeah um, there there was uh, in I think 1896 Berta Benz um, uh, (laughs) drove uh, drove one of the early um, diesels that they made uh, from one town in Germany to another and it was this big historic thing uh, but, you know, so there's this incredibly deep well of, of Mercedes-Benz history that we can go into uh, in this magazine. And uh, so we cover a lot of the, the restored collectible cars, stuff that, that, uh, that runs back. The motorsports history, um, you know, stretches back into the 1910s and 1920s. Um, we've just, in our, in our upcoming issue, we've got a, a, an article about uh, this, this really quite impressive uh, engine design that used sleeves on the outside of pistons wow. instead of valves, and it ran incredibly smoothly. Um, but they must have ditched it for some reason. Uh, they did. They did. They eventually uh, decided to go with, uh, with more conventional engine designs. It was, I think, um, it was not great for horsepower. 
um, even oh, though they okay. did win some races in it because they performance they wasn't as good as they hoped. And we cover the the latest in in news from from Mercedes Benz as well. We've got uh, two stories actually in the cu- upcoming magazine about the new AMG GT uh, uh, Roadster that they've come out with. Uh, so we cover the whole gamut. Uh, of Mercedes-Benz. Can I pitch you two stories for your magazine? Absolutely. Um, one is the stars for car, uh, cars for stars or stars cars mm-hmm. um, that are in the Mercedes-Benz Museum in, oh, yeah, uh, in yeah. Stuttgart. So they have like Lady Diana's uh, SL. Yes. And they have the Mobile. So there is right. these long lists of amazing cars, and you you know you could get pictures from Mercedes Benz. And oh yeah, we have you full could, access to the yeah, archive. You could write some amazing stories about stars because um, I think that would be a good story. Two issues ago, we had a feature on on a car that had formerly been owned, I think, by Princess Grace of Monaco. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah it might be nice to list sort of sort of the most famous people and cars, and just like you know, oh, yeah. write a hundred words on each. You know, and just have it a lot of pictures. And the other one I think is a really interesting one. And I think it's a very, I'll tell you something about the warehouse in a second, but a very interesting one uh, that I wanted to talk about is the fact that um, we, when we were there, there was a lot of people who were S, we were there for the launch of the new S class. Mm-hmm. And this was the last generation, not the one that just came out. So we're talking about, uh, I don't know, five years ago mm-hmm. or so. And so uh, the engineers, you know, a lot of the people that were there on the trip were fans of S-Class. And they were like, I, I was really looking at a 1986. I thought that was a great buy. And the guys were like, oh, don't buy the six-cylinder. It wasn't the best year we ever made. I think there is, talking to the museum guys, there is probably a story there about the best E-Classes or S-Classes of years gone by to go buy and go find that are inexpensive mm-hmm. that you should own now because they were they were – Bulletproof. The uh, the generation that uh, that came out, I think, in 1987, um, was uh, S or E, uh, S class. S class. Um, we're uh, we're actually working on a story about that, and and how good that that was. That was really a a, a game changer for Mercedes Benz at the time, and uh, and for S class. Uh, but yeah, because uh, they know they know the vehicles that are the bulletproof, and they want you to have, and they know the vehicles they don't want you to buy because they they're not the you know, they break down and they weren't the best that the Mercedes made, mm-hmm. and so they they wanted to promote s- some of the vehicles that, and they're very inexpensive. I mean, you could go into Germany and you could buy a, a car that's twenty five years old for you know three thousand dollars, and you could yeah. sell it for twelve, th- or you can buy it for three thousand dollars in the states and sell it for twelve thousand dollars in Germany, or vice versa, because mm-hmm. they were so good and this and people don't know they should be sought after every every brand has those sort of golden moments that that uh, where they produced a car that's that uh, is is uh, head and shoulders better than than everything else um, and uh, and one of those that I in fact I did a I, I still have to write the story I did the interview with uh, Keith Martin who's the publisher of sports car market magazine uh-huh. um, about his uh, uh, early 2000s. This is a 2004. They made him through 2006. Um, SL55 AMG, right. which is power retractable hardtop. Um, you know, 500 odd horsepower. It's a. It, it is as Keith called it, an affordable supercar. Wow, I'm I'm talking more of the three thousand dollar range, <laughs> not the fifty thousand dollar range. <laughs> which you know, Keith Martin's more of the fifty thousand dollar range. No, you, but uh, that's the thing is, you can get those SL55s now in the twenties. Oh, all right. Well, so maybe a little more affordable. Become more affordable. He, here's the really interesting thing: they asked us not to take pictures inside 
the warehouse. And we were like, because you don't want us to have pictures of the car. They said, no, we'll supply you with any pictures you want inside the warehouse. We just mm -hmm. ask you not take them. And we said, why? And they said, because your phones will embed the GPS in the picture. Oh, yeah. We don't want people to know where this warehouse is because it has millions and millions and millions of dollars of cars in it. I bet, yeah. And they don't want people to know where this secret warehouse is in Stuttgart, Germany. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> So there is a secret warehouse somewhere in Germany with all these Mercedes-Benz in them. All right, our auto expert will continue. Anton Woolman's going to join us. He is our independent expert, and he is going he's an investor and an analyst. He's going to talk about what's happening in the automotive market. He's going to tell us exactly what's going on with autonomous cars, Tesla, and the automotive industry when it comes to finance. That's all next on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. This is our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask us a question, just direct messages at Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Anton Wallman is an independent analyst and investor. You can read the majority of his stuff at The Street and Seeking Alpha. He joins us every week on the phone. Anton, it looks like the XC40 Recharge goes on sale. The deliveries have started. Uh, the all-electric uh, vehicle. It's begun in the Netherlands. How is that going, and how are the first week of sales? Well, so far, Nick, it's going seemingly pretty well. Uh, I think the uh, the all-electric version of the Volvo XC40 compact SUV uh, has catapulted it to the 14th position in that very large electric car market that is the Netherlands. Uh, you may know that in Europe, not every country sells as many electric cars as every other and in the Netherlands is one of the countries that are toward the higher end of that list so what happens there is um, uh, more important than that small country otherwise would tend to convey to the outer world now let's ask a little bit about uh, how the Netherlands is doing as far as car electric car sales are concerned I know they dropped off about a year ago their incentives uh, but let's look at the the Netherlands as a total. Uh, there's also the plug-in hybrid version of the XC40, and uh, there's also a bunch of other vehicles on sale in the Netherlands as far as uh, electric and uh, um, totally electric, and then also hybrid vehicles. Are they still sort of pushing the uh, the whole electric mantra there, or has it become sort of a byproduct since the incentives disappeared last year? Yeah, so what happened is that uh, they didn't completely disappear. They were uh, reduced at the end of the calendar year 2019, and at the same time, a new pan-European mandate that wasn't specific to the Netherlands took into effect on January 1st. So there was a bit of a zigzag there. The incentives in 2019 primarily benefited those automakers who were not subject to these pan-European fleet-wide CO2 uh, mandate. So basically, they benefited the electric car only companies. And of course, the only such company that sells in great volume is Tesla. So Tesla had a monster 2019 in the Netherlands. And the Tesla sales has really fallen off the cliff in 2020, when suddenly, uh, starting January 1st, every other automaker was suddenly hugely incentivized to sell more electric cars all over Europe, including in the Netherlands, despite the fact that the number, the amount of the incentives uh, had actually gone down. So uh, that's how it worked. 
let's let's talk about Europe in general when we talk about these vehicles and, and how they're doing. I mean, we've looked at, we constantly look at Europe, and I think one of the reasons that we do is because Europe is a strong indicator of what might happen in the United States. And, you know, as far as Europe's sales statistics are concerned, uh, there is a lot of things that happen in Europe or reflect in Europe what American companies are doing or, uh, for instance, what Tesla is doing. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Tesla and, and the ID3 and, and now uh, is the ID3 outselling Tesla in a big enough way that uh, Tesla is in trouble in Europe or is it still as strong in Europe? Is it still able to support a European operation? And the other question that I was asked this week is uh, those vehicles that are in Europe, are they still coming from the United States or are they now starting to come from China and heading to Europe? Very good questions, Nick. So first of all, Tesla typically sells the bulk of its vehicles in Europe in the third month of the quarter. So in October and November, their sales numbers tend to be pretty small. And we're seeing that so far. I mean, first of all, we saw it in all of October where Tesla's numbers in Europe were miserable so far in November, and we're only one week into the month. Uh, Volkswagen's ID3 model, which is underpinning uh, all of these other models that will also may be making it to the U.S. here starting in just a couple of months from now, um, it is outselling Tesla 100 to 1 in Norway and almost 400 to 1 in the Netherlands. So basically uh, Volkswagen right now is completely cleaning the clock with almost everyone else, including in particular Tesla, uh, here so far with that model. Now the main way in which uh, what happens in Europe foreshadows what happens in North America over time is really one thing in particular, and that is that uh, they, the models, the versions, these nameplates that go on sale first, they tend to first go on sale in Europe because that is where the demand is the greatest and the competition is the toughest. And then maybe a few months later, maybe even a year later, they make it to the United States. Now, you were asking, Nick, about whether the uh, versions of the various Tesla models are starting to be exported from China to Europe? And the answer is they were just being loaded onto the boats in the last couple of weeks. So uh, the, those deliveries, as I understand it, will be starting here near the end of the year. So probably toward the end of December, uh, you will be seeing Europe flooded with uh, cars made in China because, of course, there's not enough demand in China at this point to meet the uh, production output capability that Tesla has from its Shanghai factory. So what are they going to do with these cars? Well, uh, send them to Europe. That has become the answer. Well, Anton, uh, you know, as uh, as we saw this week, you know, Britain's headed into another COVID lockdown, um, you know, and I think the rest of Europe might follow. Um, do you think that that's going to have a big impact on, on the sales through the balance of the year? I, I think so, yeah. I mean, it, it'll vary uh, very differently from country to country, of course. I mean, some countries in Sweden have no restrictions on anything, like Sweden, for example, so uh, you wouldn't see any impact there. But in a couple of these countries, most notably the U.K., perhaps, uh, with a little bit of a lesser impact in uh, France and in Germany, um, you you will definitely see some impact. I mean, I, I have to imagine that this is going to disrupt the market when the government tells people they can't go out and do whatever they're doing. 
I have a good question for you. I hope it's a good question for you. Uh, obviously, we uh, we have settled in with the news now that looks like we're going to have a democratic government in the United States, at least as far as the presidency is concerned. Is that going to change direction for the automotive industry? It may not be good news for the gas, but will it be good news for electric and automotive uh, industry in the, in the United States? And does this mean... Uh, that we might see a re-upping of incentives, or what's your prediction as far as a Democratic presidency could mean for automotive sales? I think you're right, Nick. Uh, basically, uh, it would mean that the cost of operating and buying a uh, gasoline uh, uh, automobile is going to be increased, both in terms of the imputed purchase price as well as the uh, cost of uh, fueling it. And I think that uh, in terms of incentives for electric vehicles, I think that the question will become to what extent does the government want to pay for these incentives uh, versus uh, doing what they're doing in some other geographies around the world, which is to say just pass a mandate saying that, you know, you know the automakers shall sell X percent of their vehicles being uh, so-and-so electrified by so-and-so date. And then basically uh, the fact that these cars cannot be sold on the free market at the free market price being, means that the automakers themselves have to subsidize that business, so they will essentially tack that cost onto the vehicles that are not falling into those favorable categories in order to subsidize the electric cars. So you should expect that the cost of purchasing a non-electric car will go up, perhaps dramatically, and that uh, they will simply force one way or the other, by hook or by crook, more electric cars to be sold. Now, it took the, the you know the the uh, Trump government a long time, and they weren't really able to change direction of uh, the cafe standards and things like that. It although they had the willingness to do that, is it going to take uh, more than four years for for a Biden presidency to change direction of things like cafe standards? Uh, no, I don't expect that because, you know, Trump had the courts against him and every, basically everybody against him. So everybody basically sabotaged everything that he tried to do, uh, whereas a Biden presidency will have uh, every step of the bureaucracy basically standing in line cheerleading. So whatever they uh, cook up over there, they'll be able to pass it, I expect. So you should expect that the cost of a basic gasoline car to go up pretty dramatically over the next handful of years. So that $20,000 basic Nissan Versa or whatever will probably end up costing you twenty five, thirty grand pretty soon, and uh, the cost of fueling it will become dramatically higher, whereas the automakers will essentially have to be forced to uh, sell more and more electric cars. And then the question is only the remaining one is, will the taxpayer uh, foot that cost, or will the automakers have to foot that cost themselves? And uh, that is the big question that will be decided here in the coming months. You know, Anton, one of the things I've been looking at is, uh, you know, the United States car market, new new vehicle market, is about 17 million vehicles. Uh, you know, Europe maybe what is it, 16 million this this last year, and then and then China much more than that. Um, and with China and Europe mandating EVs, to what extent does that that put pressure on? on the United States uh, to adopt EVs more quickly because the rest of the world is going along and automakers are going to look for that economy of scale to have a world car? Well, I mean, first of all, there's plenty of economies of scale going around here. I mean, there are plenty of cars that are only sold in North America at all anyway. Think of full-size pickup trucks, for example. Sure. I, don't th I don't buy that argument at all that there's some sort of cost issue at hand here. I think that uh, what we're going to see is that uh, if you impose more costs on the industry, somebody has to pay, right? I mean, 
this is not, you can't do these things for free. So somebody has to pay. So when uh, prices go up, uh, demand and supply tells us that fewer units will be sold. So, you know, people suddenly didn't wake up one morning and had more money in their pocket to pay X number of thousands of dollars more to buy another car. So there will be all other things equal, fewer cars sold. So unless some exogenous factor comes in from left field and subsidizes the whole thing, then the size of the market will shrink. Anton Wallman, he's an independent analyst and investor. He's always probably the wisest man in the industry that I know. And it's always good to hear from you, Anton, and find out your take on the automotive industry. It's going to be an interesting year ahead to see exactly what happens with the industry. We all wait with bated breath to see how it changes and what will change with our automobiles. But we pretty much know that change is the only certainty that we have to look forward to. Uh, Stand by. More Our Auto Expert on the way. You can read Anton's at Seeking Alpha and the Street, and he is probably the best at knowing all of these subjects. Stand by, more to come. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, play Our Auto Expert radio show. And all previous episodes of the podcast are available. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm Nick Miles. Our Auto Expert radio show is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. We're here with sports car Jeff because truck girl Jen is on vacation today and joining us on the phone. The other half of Our Auto Expert, Mike Cordell, who had to pull over his motorcycle and take a break to uh, have a chat with us. Did you find somewhere safe to pull over? I I did. I did. I literally uh, jumped off the bike about two minutes ago and uh, made my way from Chattanooga up through Knoxville and uh, made my way back uh, towards Nashville. So, yeah, it was a great morning, man. We we were supposed to be doing um, a couple different runs today. They're very, very well known. Devil's Tail is, is a very famous uh, road here in the south. It's motorcyclists and car enthusiasts like jeff would would enjoy and um we, we didn't get to do it my buddy's bike broke down yesterday in route down so i made short of it and made my way back today why didn't he jump on the back of yours that would have been a little weird he's a big guy <laughs> i'm a big guy and a little motorcycle i have a friend who has a saying about that but i can't repeat it on the radio that's right it would not be appropriate it would not be appropriate um all right so uh you've been having out having some rides uh for the, I'm, I'm sure you'll help him buy a new bike won't you uh, i'm trying to convince him to move over to the dark side away from a harley and it was pretty funny last night at, at about six o'clock when the harley davidson shop was closing down in chattanooga here we come rolling in me on a ducati and him on his really making all these noises and the guys at the harley shop looked at me like i was the crazy one and i laughed so at least i got a bike to ride <laughs> Uh, that's the trouble with Harleys. They can become expensive when you have to go fix them. I, I've owned a Harley now. And it's, I mean, I don't ride enough to have any issues like that, but uh, I have a Triumph. Just just saying. Never had to have it in the shop because it broke down. And I'm a BMW purist. So. Well, Mike likes BMWs. He just can't get what oh, he's, he's happy with. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely am a, a GS1250 adventure type of, of rider. And, um, you know, but I, I will tell you this. You know, being on the Ducati Multistrada, you know, the the ride that I did today, plenty of power, plenty of plenty of good size bulk with the bike and it and it's a lot of power and it's a, a super you know, it's just super fun to ride. Um you should try here on today's run, like rain and all the fun that comes with motorcycling. I'd like to see you ride the Tiger, 
the uh, the Triumph Tiger because I think that sounds the awesome. Triumph Tiger Explorer. Yeah. yeah, that's their adventure bike. It's it's pretty cool, no doubt about it. I'm looking forward to. I'm actually going to be test driving uh, on a slightly longer term loan, the Honda Africa Twin, and that's supposed oh, yeah. to be an incredible off road uh, motorcycle. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. And then I think at the beginning of December, we're both heading to Palm Springs to uh, test drive the R18, which I'm really, yeah, I'm really excited <laughs> about. 1,800 cc's. I'm so horsepower, that would be stupid. 1,800 cc's. Have you guys talked about, have you guys talked about SEMA today? Have, have no, not yet. The, the no, SEMA all that, virtual this year. Yeah, I, I'm a bit skeptical of these all virtual things. Me too. Yeah, it's a little bit rough, but they're still doing Battle of the Builders. They're doing, you know, various podcasts, and I've tuned into a few of them. And there's actually some folks tuning in, but you're right, Nick. It's, it's just going to be difficult, you know, moving forward with a lot of these shows. But I do applaud SEMA. It's called SEMA 360. And I applaud them for at least trying to make an effort instead of just shutting it completely down. So, you know, you lose no revenue from the standpoint of doing a podcast. You just don't have the numbers, you know, turning through the, the gates at, at the at the show. So yeah, I mean, there's to do something to keep at least the excitement. There's good and bad things, right? So what are the good things? We should weigh these up about SEMA. And the good things is you don't have to walk 200 miles to actually get to see something. You can just do it by a click. The bad things is you don't get to drive those electric scooters, which you can rent from the, uh, from the little booth there and uh, navigate through <laughs> a lot of people just wearing tassels. Those are the bad things you know what else is good about sema uh, and bad about having a virtual uh, lots of the smells i think the smell of diesel you're going to miss unless you could find a smeller computer which uh, outputs diesel smoke every time you click on something i think plus you don't get to have right. the g-force of riding in some of those ford performance vehicles that are out there on the track or smell the rubber from all of those burnouts so that, those are the parts i think i'll miss the most listen to the noise that goes on all day of that <laughs> you know and actually seeing vehicles for the first time i mean looking at pictures is great but actually walking in there and seeing some of that paint on those vehicles is like whoa well and and you know there's also the social aspect i mean sema is is more than just a trade show it's a tribal reunion of, yes. of the uh of the the automotive community in america and and i do miss that I, I miss being there in the in the crush of all the people and do i hate walking the 200 miles absolutely your feet are killing you by the end of the day and you know just trying to get back to your hotel at night is is a challenge but on the other hand you you run around all day you 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 reconnect you you see all the latest stuff you get to handle all the latest stuff um, and you know, for a journalist, it's it's how you you know you you get a year's worth of stories in that one week. Mike and I do a Fox Sports show from there. We like to play a game: which trucks can I walk under without bending down, or which trucks can Mike walk <laughs> under without bending down? Which is always fun. It is fun. You know, I I do miss SEMA, and on my Facebook thread right now, every day is like a memory. Yeah, you know, I posted mm -hmm. that picture of all of us yesterday, and every day is a memory. SEMA is such an incredible show, and. Sometimes we forget, even though it's, you know, the annoyance of it being around Halloween and, you know, the travel. And like you said, Jeff, you know, the amount of miles that you put in. But there's some incredible creativity that comes out of there. And uh, there's inspiration, you know. And speaking of SEMA, I'm sure you guys already touched on it. Nick, I know you're going to be departing this week for Charlotte to uh, test drive uh, the new Charger wide body red eye. Yeah. Me too. And, uh, you know. Jeff's going, yeah. in, Jeff, oh, Jeff's going yeah. in actually before I am. So he'll get to drive right. it to and and the Dodge Durango SRT too, the Dodge Durango yes. Hellcat. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. Mike, I'll miss not seeing you at the LA Auto Show this this month as well. You know, I had well, you, such a yeah. good time last year. We will be doing a live broadcast. You were going to see me at Charlotte, but I I had to redirect some traffic this week with mm. with flights, so I, I won't. Nick will be going. I won't be able to attend. You would have seen me. I would have been on wave wave two. Oh, 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 oh! As Homer would say. Uh, yeah, all these good times that we talk about, all these auto shows, we will, however, be doing a live broadcast uh, from what would have been the LA Auto Show at those dates with all the vehicles, uh, which will be exciting. So we'll be uh, doing a live broadcast out of LA on the 18th and 19th of uh, this month. Um, so we'll be broadcasting the TV stations across the country. So if, if you live in a TV market where you see us normally, you'll you'll get to enjoy Mike and I in those markets, which will be a lot of fun. It'll be like old times again. But we, yeah. uh, I don't know, we probably won't have masks on in front of the TV camera. We'll just be res- wearing them the rest of the time, right? Yes, Mike. Oh, yes. yes, we will. We will. Yes, we will. Yeah. All I'm right. Here. I'm just pon- I'm just pondering what all these off shows, you know, what it means for the future and. We're going to have some cool cars here in a few weeks, though, and I'm excited about that. By the way, I will be heading off to Detroit right after our little stint in L.A. to test drive the new Mach-E and the F-150. So it's going to be – we're going to have a lot of good news in the auto industry over the next few weeks. Yeah, it will be fun. I'll look forward to doing that about uh, three weeks after you as well. If you want to see some of Mike's videos that uh, he has been driving some cool cars, including the new Nissan Rogue, by the way, check out ourautoexpert.com. You can see all of our stories there, and you can hear this radio show there as well. Every week we put it up right after it's broadcast. Plus, of course, you can read some of the latest car stories, and you can visit it 24-7. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response.